0: All right. Hey, hey, and welcome again to the Dice of Screaming podcast. What's going on? Oh, wow. That's menacing. All right. Well, that's, that's definitely one to uh, lock the door with. Dice are growling. Uh, oh, um. Well, they should, because that's what they do. And so, what uh, growling dice versus screaming dice. So, yeah. Hey, I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And you're back, and yeah, here we are rolling out another episode for you. Yeah, once again, the Astrogallomancer is on vacation, so they're enjoying a well-deserved rest, and that leaves us rudderless in the face of the unforgiving tides of fate. So, here we are giving you another brief glimpse of the madness that is the Dicey Screaming.
1: So <laughs> the this- seemingly innocent plant life of gaming podcasts. Oh yeah, it's just a simple little rabbit sitting on a stump, nothing to worry about. <laughs> or Hey, that 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 field of flowers sure smells nice. Makes me really want to like lay down and just take a nap. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah well, <jump. laughs> well no get it to Go wrong. Anybody recognizes the first one? That's the wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, that. <laughs> it's just a little bunny. It's just sitting there looking at you. <laughs> or the, the the good old fashioned
1: yellow musk creeper. <laughs> yeah, and just get in close. <laughs> the, the zombie making plant. I say, Reginald, these I don't think these
0: are clarinets after all. <laughs> no,
1: no, they're not. But, Ugh. oh, boy. <laughs> Gaming sure has had some weird and wild threats.
0: Yeah, so uh, coming at you today with some more content conjured up from um the of
1: was in the coast no not really we're no. going to be taking a uh, look at the uh, i think half- we covered that last week you know last session last yeah. session real well we we cataloged all their sins i'll give them a nod for the lower stress schedule for mtg releases uh it's a tiny little nod it's just a thing they got right because frankly they have battered everyone out of the marketplace with large quantities of high cost product and it's been exhausting. Uh, like the, the average customer couldn't keep up with it. So they've reversed course. I'll let them have a nod like, okay, that was a good call. You mm-hmm. learn from that, do more like that. But
0: today we're going to be talking about the Pathfinder remaster. And yeah, last uh, episode <sighs> yeah. we talked about how to do it right. And I think they got it mostly right. There's some things I'm going to tackle here, but, um, uh, before we get too far into this, uh, Jason, our uh, frequent caller. Oh, he gives us a view on our Pinkerton episode. So he'll weigh in. So take it away, Jason.
2: Hey, Randy, just listened to your Watsy Pinkertons and you episode. And yeah, I, you know, I pretty, I don't play 5E personally, really. So I haven't bought anything from Watsy for a long time, other than some TSR or PDFs, but I think it's about time to just not give them any money. So I probably, you know, we're coming up to 50th anniversary. If they were releasing some cool 50th anniversary stuff, you know, some cool first edition or OG D sets or something like that, or you know, other games, I might have bid on that before. But c- considering what a dumpster fire the company is, they're just not going to get any more of my money anymore. And I'm going to move on. I'm not going to trash talk them, anything like that. I'm just not going to patronize them. So, anyway, keep up the great work.
1: Oh,
0: hey, Hey. thanks, Jason.
1: Yeah, I got to say, uh, I don't blame you a bit. Uh, I'm heavily vested to begin with, with, uh, you know, both MTG and, uh, you know, 5th edition. Uh, And, you know, I had become, uh, before the advent of emergencies that kept people away from the tables, you know, before uh, all of that kicked off, I, I had become quite an enthusiastic player. And man, I, I'm vested enough that I, I want to continue to critique them in the hopes that like like these words will float out there, I'll join a chorus, we'll all sing one giant kumbaya, and they'll hear it and go, man, we really need to we, we need to change a direction so I, I I have high hopes but you know what I honestly can't uh, disagree with anybody who says like I'm, I'm pulling out I don't I don't want to be hitched to this wagon in any way because uh, frankly their conduct is bad enough that uh, you know, like even my purchase choices are now extremely wary whereas like literally just a year ago they were pretty free-handed I mean I've I, picked up a lot of stuff over the last two, three years. And, and now I'm looking at uh, placing my cash where it's going to reap me better long-term results in, in terms of a game I can count on to still be there and not suddenly uh, make critical errors. So, Well, look, and- I'm not going to
0: stop clowning a man. I get it. it that's... Attack somebody wants to say, I'm not going to mention him anymore. I'm I want to like, be
1: constructive criticism guy,
0: but it, they're making it really tough. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm Mr. Mock, and the, those in power guys. So that's the only tool I got, and I'm going to keep using it. And, uh, hey, hot on the heels, uh, hot off the presses. Uh-oh, oh, action OGL news. Yeah, another screw-up by uh, Wizards of the Coast. Not, uh, of course, sending Pinkertons to anybody's houses, but they did uh, – it was that they scrubbed Jeff Easley's name off the DD movie poster. Aww. And there is some contention whether that was Paramount or it was Hasbro Watsy, and we don't know. But well, another thing that's like, okay, if it was Paramount, Watsy could have made a better stand and said, hey, you know, that's like a person that's really attached to the legacy of this game, a beloved artist that's done a lot of covers and work. Over the years that has made iconic impressions on multitudes of fans over many decades could you just leave his name on there because that would be kind of cool um, that they didn't fight enough I guess is a way to punch at him but I'm not yeah. overly on that one because that in the way the corporate pinheads arguing over minutia, I'll give him a pass on that one I, it doesn't make me necessarily happy. I'm not gonna let it pass without a word, but I'm not gonna hold them like they're facing the toilet on this one. You know, like, oh yeah, get another swirly with that dog.
1: Get the newspaper. Whap. Um, yeah, there. No, no. I, I. It's a little bit of a snub, and uh, you know, I mean, if, if we're putting the criticism out there, it's because we don't want to encourage that kind of behavior. Like, come on, like the this is the artist that created this uh, like iconic imagery. This is the wellspring from which these images come, and this is their art. I-
0: well, hearkening back to the previous episode where we uh, gave an uh, acknowledgement about what Jason said about the d d movie, yeah, they did leave out the uh, content uh, that this game was created by e. Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. That's the kind of sore point, and it's one that could be made more of, but uh, yeah, it is Watsy's kind of baby now, and this is, they're the ones that bring it forward. But it's always nice to see some recognition. That's all we have to say. And I think at this point, um, Mike's, I was trying to hold him back and save it for this episode, but the Pinkerton's thing is, uh, yeah, he's exactly right. That Hey, look, there's a lot of things you can say about uh, how bad this looks to the community, but Magic the Gathering community is still going, and they're going to uh, keep moving on from this. Um, for me it was always been uh, i've never been heavily invested in fifth edition and probably never will now uh yeah tales of the valiant looks like if i want to get into a fifth edition game going forward that's where i'm gonna that's my vehicle and uh that's probably going to be where i'm going to be at mentally uh in a space uh, i've seen that um, what is it called crown of the Oathbreaker, 916 pages whoa uh for fifth edition that attracted my interest and uh I think that is going to be something that if I want to do a Tales of the Valiant or a 5th edition adjacent game, that's what I'm going to do. Interesting. So, yeah, always looking for good adventures, and I think that uh, now's the time to break ranks fully and just say, hey, not playing anything by Wizards of the Coast is my a protest moment, and it's not a virtue signal. This is a principle. I have not owned or played anything
1: Fifth Edition. I've reviewed it here on the channel because I think it's appropriate. Well, but, and I certainly pushed for it because right. I saw some good product, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not sorry I did those. No, reviews. no. Well, look. Let's the people let who, us both. The join. people who did the writing for that stuff—that the in-house worker bees at what really Chris Perkins and all those guys. Yeah, I, lo- I they love. I love some support. nice work. Uh, and in fact, I think the the last one uh, there's a book of heists that, like, oh man, I was looking my chops and I, I was thinking to myself, oh man, I want to review this one, uh, but I I honestly I, I I like the look of it. I I want to explore it, but they're not in my good graces right now, and I'm willing to put that off. You know, I I know that
0: maybe we'll give a retrospective or something down the road when things when some of those
1: clears, but for right now... Uh, maybe when I'm a little less ticked off at them. Right. Uh, I'm very happy about the movie. I'm glad that's a thing that happened, but that does not change the fact that their behavior as a like as the steward of uh, my favorite game, uh, it's been appalling. So Yeah, and they owe it, not
0: just to their shareholders, but to the community that has helped keep them. <laughs> Are either-
1: their shareholders buying the actual product? No, they're buying their own stock backs. Yeah, you know. that bingo. So you like take a note from that. Okay, pay attention there. Um, <laughs> you know what feeds the tree? It's the well. Roots. We said it
0: earlier when this whole OGL thing came down. Wizards needs the community. The community does not need them. Yeah. And with our last episode where we detailed that? The, hey, there's a new. There's a new flood of games coming in. The high tide is coming in, and it's not this time. Just Watsi. It's everybody else that is flooding in to take the place. and
1: Yeah, as soon as it was really apparent that a couple of the larger companies were going to form, well, a handful, and then eventually a much wider network of companies were going to form a safe harbor where people could be sure that their material would not be snatched up from under them in the near future. Uh, Boom! Oh my gosh. The creative surge in that direction was outrageous. So, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> the old curse, may you live in interesting times, uh, it's it's come true, but, uh, oh, how does the old adage go? Uh, it's a wonderful old uh, saying, there is great confusion under heaven, and the situation is excellent.
0: Well, these things have a way of working themselves out, it's just interesting how <laughs> the interesting times makes it. That way, and I don't think that there's any way to get uh, past this other than just experience it. So, hand wringing and panic does no one any good. There's nothing to really be worried about. This is wizards' doings; they earned it. They get to sleep in the bed that they made, and they, we're here to mock them for it and shovel some more coal on the fire. So, <laughs> when they mess up, and if when they do right, and conversely, there is something to be applauded. There, I think that a lot of people get negativity cells. Okay. You just look at the YouTube Gamer expanse. Almost everybody is doing uh, a dog pile on WotC, and rightfully so for the Pinkertons. But more importantly, how that they have mismanaged not only the 5th edition rollout of whatever it's going to be, the 6th edition, D&D oh, 1. <laughs> beyond or yeah, Whatever yeah. the heck. It's going to be, and, and now it's not going to be a new edition. It's just, okay, fine, whatever. You know, like you said, Jason, there was a part of me that, like, hey, we're just going to republish the Player Handbook Dungeon Master's Guide and Monster Manual with uh, new content from Tasha's and all these other stuff. I was kind of like, you know, I was almost there. You almost had me, Wizards. You almost had me to buy a Piss Edition product. But then the Pinkertons happened, and then I'm like, no, you don't get anything from me. Tales of the value, get my money.
1: Cobalt Press has earned it. I want. Yeah, con- uh, Cobalt Press has got the consistency going on. Uh, not to mention, like nobody can recall them taking a major like dump on their own hobby uh, and their own customers. So, well, yeah, I think you it- know, <laughs> kudos to uh, look. Uh, I wonder if it's just the nature of the smaller presses that, like, one, they can't afford to behave that bad. Like, I, I don't want to say that, like, these are all mm-hmm. perfect upstanding people who would never do anything like that. But they know where their bread is buttered still at this well, stage. Well, being a third-party content And WOTC creator, has lost that. Like, there's a deep disconnect where, like, they have no idea where the bread is buttered. They, they don't, like, the disconnect is, you know, like some imagination that like that money is ours and you people are just holding onto it for no good reason you're idiots you really don't get it well there's a conversation to be had that third-party content creators cannot afford to not only
0: just behave badly but put up crap product yeah they got to work for a living and so, they have to make, which is why they have my respect they <laughs> they have to come up with good stuff and otherwise people won't buy it and you have to stand out from the crowd and, and let's
1: think, face it like they have smaller organizational requirements and even the people who are nominally in charge in many of these organizations are doing the actual boots-on-the-ground work Mm -hmm. of developing product, uh, of writing material, of participating in preparation for publication. They are little bare-bones operations and they're all intricately involved in the process, whereas as you see with WOTC and Hasbro, there are layers and layers and layers. And as you move up the developmental you know, like uh, ladder, mm-hmm. there are people almost completely divorced who have like vague insistences on what they expect from this and where they want this to go and what they think should be done. They have no connection to actual tabletop gaming, none. And yeah,
0: and they, ultimately they're the ones who make the decision. It's yeah, interesting.
1: I want to. I want to just. Kind of, the power know. dynamic rests with people who have no relationship to the game, uh, whereas in the small press world, uh, the power dynamic is the people who are directly associated with the game have all of the power. And so, yeah, you know, like if you want to look at why we love small press, that's it. Like here at the Dice are Screaming, we are huge fans of DIY, do it yourself, make a book, publish, write, create. Or just sit behind the you know like the screen as a game master and enjoy yourself. Yeah, we're big fans of that for exactly that reason. All right. Well, hey, now that you landed that one,
0: uh, I want to revisit the point you made. Uh, this is an interesting topic. I mean, how would you say then, when you give that organize, organizational deconstruction, how would that affect with the fact that Wizards has a multi-million dollar organizations devoted to just gaming and they still fail <laughs> i mean i'm not going to throw up uh, look chris perkins look I, he ran a game for us back in uh was 97 96 a gen con he i actually when he was part of the rpg i got invited to the masters tournament uh it was a reward for all the game masters who'd been running all weekend or all the four days and so sunday or yeah saturday night we got to play in the masters level. he was the one running it. i i didn't we didn't get to be drinking buddies or anything like that but nice guy really liked him he was very dynamic and very funny so it was a good time um that said uh when he got promoted from where he was to uh, tsr at the time i think he was running uh, dungeon magazine he went and uh became now the product head of development I feel sorry for them because I don't think this is where they want to go. And you see a lot of Wizards of the Coast designers in the RPG uh, division coming yeah. on saying, like, hey, we're not this is not us that we don't yeah, we don't even
1: know. Remember what I said the, about the disconnect. That, right. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Just like if you're asking why does an entity this large and with this much to invest in like fail this robustly, like I'll be candid, I don't feel like it was all failure across the board. I and mean, if you roll the clock back just a few years, uh, when they were in full support mode for their fifth edition line, uh, they were also collaborating in a much more friendly fashion with a variety of smart absolutely. Press that's that's this. Concern. They were in the right headspace, and they have moved away from it. And that was not a like lower structural issue. That was an upper structural issue. That was the big picture, big think, uh, you know, future money people. Near the top, have all the clout on this project. They are the ones who were the deciders, and I do think it does. Why was <coughs>
0: one person when they start to say Chris Cox? I think that. Uh,
1: well, yeah. I remember my reference to the monorail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it Springfield needs a monorail.
0: Or uh, Frank Zappa is like, yeah, they put the coffee. The guy used to bring coffee every day
1: um, in charge. But yeah. he's not alone in this. I, I don't want to single that one person out, although. You know, obviously, there is a major flaw in their thinking. You hired a video guy, a video game guy, and a, what a surprise! He said, "You know, like doing this online is the wave of the future." Okay, you know, I mean, if you hire a guy from the tobacco companies, you know, I see cigarettes going big places. <laughs> okay, I just you know, it, if you get somebody from that zone, that's where their headspace is at. That is where. Sure, that is where they're from. Right. So I'm not. It. I'm not going to dog him just for that. Okay. He may be like the the voice that has pushed this, but there's also the greater IP control crowd above him, where the attempts well, to consolidate. Yeah, they're the very hard, hard to go go above him, but yeah. oh, uh, depends on which Chris we're talking about. Uh, okay. I, I may have been talking about the guy they hired. I was talking about the guy they hired for the. VTT development. Uh, No, I was talking about the the head of
0: uh, uh, Hasbro.
1: Oh, the head of Hasbro. Yeah, all right. See, that's the big think people. He's not the uh, video game people. Uh, The the big think people. He's Chris Cox. Okay. So there, all right. But anyway. Then I may
0: have the wrong one. There's another Chris involved. Well, there there we go. Chris Cox. And that's the guy we're talking about. And uh, yeah, it's spelled just exactly how you would say, like Dick Cole. Oh, you don't know about Dick Cole? Never heard about him? Yeah, back in the forties, a big, big comic book character. You know, all American uh, military academy, and his name was Dick Cole. Just just say it a couple times. You know where we're
1: going? Yeah. Uh, Well, that's that's like learning Irish by. If you want to have an Irish accent, uh, just take the words whale, oil, beef, hooked, and then say them fast and uh, all right you got a fine irish accent right there so yeah
0: uh chris cox uh can't make this stuff up but yeah (sighs) yeah he does seem to be the the boogeyman here i don't no, uh, look, it's speculation on our part. We don't know what we're talking about half the time. So, well, look, don't take us. The,
1: we're not the flies on the wall. I mean, you know, we've got secondhand reports from people who profess to have like had encounters, yeah. and then we we do have the paperwork and the public statements that the company has made, and all we can really do is try to decode. Well, okay, they said this, but you know, once you peel away the corporate doublespeak, the Orwellian BS. What are you actually left with? What are the actions that they are actually taking? And, you know, to me, the actions speak far louder than any public statement. You can do all the mea culpas that you want, but I want to see what you do. And I have not seen good doings. Right. I I would like
0: to put this into another perspective that a person who was a warrant officer in military intelligence in the Navy had. Um, I'm a low-ranking Marine. I just looked over the shoulder of people who are much more versed into it, but, uh, these were people who, uh, decisions and opinions were taken very highly. He was a warrant officer for a better part of 12 years in the Navy on intelligence. And he basically looking in on the science fiction writer, now, Jim Wright. He had this to say about it, that it definitely seems that whoever was, uh, this guy is Chris Cox has more than just one or two irons in the fire probably beholden to a a number of people and they don't just hire these people out of the blue you probably agreed or was told like here's the conditions of you getting this job this is what we expect
1: you to implement right
0: and they're not a direct boogeyman they are a symptom of a larger push within the company to make sure that there's one person that can be held accountable when things go bad (laughs) And we got yep. somebody to pin it on that isn't a shareholder. Right. right. And but they could fire him tomorrow and the same things would still probably happen yeah. six, eight months down the road. Because
1: uh, it's basically rebrand, respin, and then try again. Which I mean, we see this in the political world all the time. Yep. That like, you know, uh, you come up with an idea and then people turn out to hate it. How do you get that idea to happen anyway, despite people hating it? You rename it, you rebrand it, you redescribe it, and you push it again. Fails the second time you go and you do the same thing again and again and again. They never ever ever give up. And like at the uppermost tier of Hasbro and WOTC, that is what we see. Is that yeah, like They have that strategic marketing director. Did you uh, did you read that opening? Uh, I I heard scuttlebutt of it and was just like did a little palm <laughs> face moment where I was like oh come on guys this is.
0: You know, it should come with uh, a
1: thing where you know we're gonna give you
0: a suit with tire marks over it, so when we throw you under the bus,
1: (laughs) yes, it won't hurt as much. Uh, This is our human sacrifice wear, uh, with the easy access portal right around the like center of the chest cavity, uh, so that when we literally kill you in the name of the company, uh, we won't have to ruin the good outfit. You know,
0: I. Somebody asked me, Are you going to apply for that job? And I'm like, Uh, <laughs> you know, for $149,000 a year, yeah, I could be there just like, Okay, does this involve hiring Pinkertons to send to somebody's house? No, okay, yo. then you're it's probably a good idea. It, does it involve sending the Pinkertons to somebody's house? Yes, then don't do that.
1: Yeah, I look for 149 k. <laughs> I will prepare you a flow chart uh, <laughs> Venn diagram with fishbone. <laughs> <laughs> And the flow chart will guide you perfectly. <laughs>
2: you
1: <know?
0: laughs> oh. Yeah, you want a good laugh and think about like what oh I could do that. Well, yeah, you you know, really they just want you, they need somebody who just gets in front of this and says, Okay, um, are we going to end up being the clowns on YouTube D and D tubers or YouTubers for the next six months? Is this actually gonna get us there? No. Okay, then it's probably all right. It yep. may not be popular, but it'll probably be okay. Is it going to get us clowned on every D&D YouTuber's channel for the next six months? Yes. Then don't do that. That would be bad because <laughs> that's bad things.
1: Doc, it hurts when I do this. And don't do and that. Don't do that, do that. Yeah. I get paid by the hour. That'll he's be seventy only, bucks. He's only mostly dead. If he was all the way dead, the oh only wait, I, can I, do, only that'll be two hundred
0: dollars. Be... I'm sorry, geez, I was using nineteen eighties. Economy, 70 bucks.
1: <laughs> I was using 2019 dollars. Okay. All right. I see where you're at. <laughs> Pre-COVID I see, uh, pre-COVID right, inflation. I right. know oh, I actually saw eggs for two and a half bucks and I was like, oh god! <laughs> They're down! Oh yeah, the, the thing's coming back. Yeah, like four bucks for
0: eggs. Dude! Four bucks? So we were paying six bucks for half a half dozen. Dozen and a half, excuse me. But anyway... <sighs> uh um, going all over the place. Slingshot should be the name of this podcast because we're all over. The Ricochet,
1: ping, <laughs> ping, 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 ping,
0: Um, yeah. With what's coming up with uh, the new ed- edition D and D next D and D one? Oh my, I I, I don't even know anymore. Um, <laughs>
1: well, bless Pathfinder because uh, yeah, era in here- of like radical differences. Uh, they have. Like threaded the needle, so to give them praise where it is absolutely due. Pathfinder, uh, in their new outing, as they step themselves away from the uh, nightmarish dumpster fire. Oh yeah, um, well that's going to be coming up. They have nailed it. They're they're really like I'm putting the precursor here uh, as we end the first segment. Yeah, we're going to do a deep dive. We're going to oh, look yeah. at some of the actual structural specific differences, not the general discussion of like yay nay. You know, we like Uh, the fluff that we've already done. This this deep dive is the actual structural differences you can expect between, you know, the maybe how to do it second edition and the new 2.5. No longer, you're like ORC, not OGL, yeah, or compliant. What is it going to mean, uh, in terms of actual gameplay? So, yeah, got a big look at that coming up.
0: All right, and hey, well, I think that we've worn out our good intro welcome. I think we beat up our listeners enough. So let's uh, turn to it, and let's take a little break, and we'll be right back, back with Pathfinder Remastered. Coming at you, so stick around. And welcome back. Hey, we're here to talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition Remaster. So I have to start a preface with this, is that uh, I am a latecomer to 2nd Edition. I was... Um, almost violently militant against it. Um, I didn't like it, and now I have come full circle where I've realized that
1: the only person I was hurting was myself. I was pretty open to it uh, on the grounds that, like, they they had a good long run uh, before they prepared to launch a second edition, and they had experienced what so many games experience uh, in a very long period of time. Uh, I mean, if you look back to the actual events of... Like 3.5 and the birth of fourth edition, it's been a long time. So, Pathfinder went a very long ways with one edition, uh, and they had a lot of mission creep, a lot of material creep. Well, they I will... finally rectified that, and so I, I was not hostile to it at all.
0: Well, I have the playtest up on the shelf up there, right across from you. And I opened it up, it and there were over... several things the playtest didn't and it it did it fell flat with me uh spells were all over the place i misplaced teleport i'm like oh that must be gone oh it's six level now i didn't understand why they were making these changes and because they put everything in a playtest format i didn't have the proper context now i will take full responsibility right now by saying that it, it was my mindset that kept me out of second edition for probably too long however I was also joined in the chorus of a couple dishonest YouTubers and uh, Reddit posters that fed a lot of dishonesty into it, and that could be a subject for another episode, maybe another time if anybody's interested.
1: Yeah, as as much as we, uh, but I'm paying attention. We do pay attention to some of these influencing sources. Uh, We we do try to do our due diligence and and listen to what other people are saying. Yeah, we try not to be a like echo chamber bubblehead thing where it's just the two of us and what we think. We we do try to connect with the wider world, but not all of those, not all of those uh, other voices are assets. Some yeah. of them are uh, issues. Where They were
0: dishonest, and uh, I don't think maliciously so, perhaps. But I think they were duplicitous in they were they knew what they were saying was wrong, and they just wanted to. Maybe generate content or profit off it, whatever. Now I'm not going to discuss that too much here. But what I am going to say is, finally, when I gave it an open look with the Pathfinder Starter Set and the SoGL debacle, I like realized my grave mistake, and so I had a lot of apologizing and make culpas to give. Not that you know anything other than I hurt myself, but I may have hurt my players on this and held them back from something that maybe we should have gotten on the ground floor. That said learning pathfinder 2 easy was amazingly easy and simple and it reduced the game from (coughs) the optimism power optimization excuse me (coughs) Hmm. from power optimization that it had been in first edition there were very few things that you could do without uh, minimizing your character there was only a few certain paths and the easiest comparison I can have adjacent to that is uh, WoW while power building. You know, there were certain, if you were going for end content rating, there were only a few options you could get into. There was some wiggle room here and there in gear and other things, but the biggest relief was getting rid of the Christmas tree effect, which was you had to have armor shield, uh, item and ability enhancing items, amulet of natural armor, cloak resistance, ringer, res- uh, protection, and if you didn't have those items you were doing it wrong you weren't going to have a very good armor class a saving throw they got rid of all that that's gone and god's bless them because uh now it's all included in how you level up and how you play the game and um how healing is done has removed the stress from uh the early in pathfinder First edition, like your first aid or your medicine ability, was it was good, and it kind of was all right through the rest of the game. But um, around ninth, tenth level, it was pretty much useless. I mean, you might as well just like okay, 10 yeah. points. I'm not, I'm not gonna sweat over that. Um, got rid of that and just basically made first aid workable through the entire game. Love it, and that is a nice touch
1: that I think appeals with it in the event that you don't have a full time full power cleric uh, available or you're in a real well even if you are a cleric you don't have to Uber be campaign. you don't have to be fully invested in the like healing my properly. solitary job is to cause wounds to close yeah you know. i
0: cast suture idiot uh, yep and then i cast smite enemy and yeah so if you want to be a war priest that is eventual um, war guide. priest. That's the thing you can do. And they fully leaned into the optimization in a clever and unique way, doing multi-classing without taking a hit to your primary class. Wonderful. It brings me right back to first edition days where, okay, I'm an elf <laughs> fighter magic user. And what, ben- what penalty did you take to that? Well, other than a buku amount of uh, experience points to
1: level up, nothing. <laughs> in the name of the God of peace and love, I command you to quit the field or I will stomp the crap out of you. Yeah, that's all you
0: took. And now that's back. And so, and the exploration modes, I like that from the original one. I liked the yes. way to, okay, one person's going to be searching for traps. Another one's going to be scouting for dangers ahead and uh, behind. Another person's going to be casting
1: to take magic at, at, at various intervals. Yeah, this is our low key non combat mode where like people are undertaking different tasks at the same time. And we can explore this in a way uh, without the incredible time compression. Of combat, where like it's down to mere segments, you know, right? And then we go down to uh, turn base
0: every 10 minutes, movement and exploration to combat, and then you even have social combat encounters in that, or you have city exploration mode. No, they,
1: they had been you know, like that Pathfinder uh, it, at the end, waning days, uh, but like some of their modules include yeah. these social and the new edition has not thrown that out. Those have now become facets of the regular game, as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, more codified and more implemented. But anyway, seeing the praises of the new system, I
0: learned that there was another thing that was very good, is the action economy. No longer do you just have, like, two hard asses. Like, okay, there's the boss. All right, we're going to send up our toughest fighter. Get up there, bark with your hand and sword, and hurt him really
1: bad. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy, did you send the right guy for this job? <laughs> Thank him. you. Hurt him. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the, uh, the Krieger mode, you know. <laughs> it's all yours, Krieger. Thank you. Go up there and hurt him really bad.
0: Okay. Now, you still have it, that, but... Or Yoru. I will hit him with the sharp thing. <laughs> now you have reactions and different... Uh, your feats really factor in. And combats are much more... Uh, Enthralling. Oh, I only have one action left with the three-action economy.
1: Intimidate them. And hey, let's hey smack talking. I'm down. I'm going to pause for a minute and say that this is one thing that Paizo did learn from the popularity of Five E. Okay. Yep. Uh, reducing the overwhelming metagamer power gamer. Uh, yeah. Traditional. The min maxing. Yeah, excess optimization, where, like, look, some optimization is entirely appropriate. I mean, you want a fighter who's good in a fight. You want an archer who's good with a bow. You know, these things, they happen for a reason, and they make good sense. I get that. But 5th edition nerfed it, and you know what? The cats at Paizo were looking going, you know what? Uh, You got five, six players at a table, or, you know, thereabouts. And all of them feel like they've got something to contribute, and it's just not—it's not plausible for one of them to develop. Like my character is a super character, and the rest of you are chuds. It doesn't happen like that. And Paizo took notes. Yeah, they did. They that really is present took in this new, in these new edition, uh, and in the tweaks that have been made. They took the best parts of fourth edition that never
0: really seemed to well, catch on. I have
1: trouble with those terms. Well,
0: you look at who uh, wrote it. Those were a lot of guys involved with the fourth edition, and they've always felt that fourth edition never got a fair shake because of the negative negativity attached to the implementation. Like, oh, you were playing third edition; that was bad, rotten, fun. Uh, shame on you. Now you can, uh, you know, atone for your sins by playing <laughs> our new fourth fourth edition. <laughs> the action economy and how reactions and procedures worked with in with your feats and how you built up made integrated pretty uh, cleverly with how you wanted to play your character that was lost on a lot of people because of the addition hate. So I think that is a good thing. And that's where I got off on uh, or stepped away from second edition play test was like, you know, um, I know these rules are not codified, but I don't understand why we're uh, having to, coddle to fourth edition terms, fourth edition was a failure and I didn't
1: really look any further. So, well, I certainly like, look, if you presented a rule book with, uh, now with a option for, uh, DM gaming, uh, my hostility would not be absolute in, in the sense that like, I, I don't think it should be a product or that the option shouldn't be there. Uh, but I also think that, uh, there's a critical error there, in you know what you're expecting uh, from gamers, that you know you've you've kind of lost the the thread of the tradition, the the experience that people have been having for something on the order of like 40 plus years, doesn't sync up with what you're offering, and that that is kind of a, a critical error. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm always content to be a player, but I've loved being a DM and a creative. And if you remove that uh, from the mix, it just becomes this weird slurry of people with vague ideas and no way to, like, actionably engage them. Right. Uh, Now...
0: Yeah, well, well, that was kind of data mined off, and and then it was uh, fluffed up and and promoted around. But anyway, enough about the old... Yeah, we're talking about the Pathfinder Oakline. Yeah, that was
1: our preface. We're now moving to the newest incarnation of Pathfinder made necessary by the escape from the gravitational pull of the WOTC OGL star as it implodes.
0: Yeah, Um, so Distanings themselves, they just announced last week that they were going to do the remaster project. And it caused some controversy because people said, oh, it's a soft addition. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say it. I don't agree with that at all, and we're going to go over why. Um, first of all, they, as Mike just said, they announced initially when they were going to do the ORC license. their response to the OGL debacle was they're stepping away from it. And they said that, they, yes, going forward, they will have to reprint the rule books to remove not only the OGL license, but they're going to have to remove some OGL content. And along the way, they decide rather than just like reissue the same thing, they've realized that one of the boundaries, or excuse me, barriers getting into Pathfinder Second Edition is is a 640-page chonk book. And while I love that chonk book, for some people, it is not the primary way to get into the game. Some people just want to have a player book. Like, and I just have the the essentials. And so that's what they're doing. They're going to give, they're going to, uh, as the print runs die out. And I know that they just got a new shipment in, but hold on here. Uh, they're going to come out with the player core and player core two, as well as a Pathfinder GM core book and a Pathfinder monster core. Now these books are going to be remastered with all the OGO content removed, which means uh, certain spells that you may be
1: familiar with, like certain magic- monsters, of course, uh, from the, the monster ball, you know, that are not going to be present any longer. Uh, the I've, as I'm given to understand, aside from Displacer Beasts and Owl Bears and other familiar, like the Roper, and other familiar DD iconic creatures, I'm told the Chromatic Dragons are also out. The Chromatic Metallic.
0: Yes, they are. That is uh, one of the things where some people are like, ah, and the biggest change is going to be alignment, which we're going to deal with each one of those, but... You know when they said that they were going to move to the York license they said a few minor modifications to the pathfinder second edition system in the remand mastered books would be forthcoming and yeah they're living up to that now the major changes that people say well yeah but hidden behind that there's a lot of things are changing okay so they're, <clears throat> they're going to change the witch which is pretty much right now, as it is, a fairly functional character, but they want to change the feel of playing a witch from just being a uh, arcane caster with a more powerful, familiar with a patron, a creepy patron that is in your past, to now having a more interaction with the patron and the familiar. So that's
1: going to be restructured. Something but, to distinguish it from the sorcerer. Uh, because, or wizard. Yeah, something that makes them unique enough to uh, merit even existing. Because technically you could just call your sorcerer wizard like,
0: yeah well they because they require a witch requires a familiar to uh channel their spells into into their uh, daily spell casting routine where a wizard needs a spell book the who, sorcerer needs none of those yeah it's got a patron right well the, no the patron provides the length of the familiar they want to emphasize more of the familiar role uh, they're also going to change the alchemist from more resource based gaming like okay i've got to make craft these potions make these things set this up right they want to give it a economy. little bit more of a, a, a action economy pow where they can kind of like mix a potion
1: up on the fly and hurl it and things which they can do right now but so they, they can want it. macgyver it uh, yeah as opposed to okay <laughs> I'm gonna lock up after we get after uh, we we just got out of the dungeon. I'm spending about two weeks in my lab rebuilding all the stuff. I'll well, leave. yeah,
0: you a lot of downtime. Yeah, the
1: downtime economy. <laughs> and whatever you do, do not let me fall over in the dungeon. Like if I fall down a pit trap, that whole building is going down around us. <sighs> yep. <Yeah>, so
0: <clears throat> when they talk about what things have changed. The witch, the alchemist, the rogue weapon selection, and the wizard will see a little bit of change on that. The rogue still, yeah. Oh, oh I'm gonna see somebody with backstabbing with two-handed swords. No, <laughs> that's not how the rogue works. Um, Got to have a
1: finesse to backstab. I, I, so, I do want to poke more fun at the alchemist, like the the high-speed on-the-fly alchemist? <laughs> Way to go, Walter. Yep, <laughs> breaking chaos. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Right. Right. <coughs> motion of speed
0: (laughs) so there's also some changes in ancestry so let's well where should we start all right so yeah let's just start with what's changing right now so what's the player core one what you're going to get is the character creation rules that's going to walk you through that you're going to select your ancestry your background and class that's not changing most of the game mechanics are not even going to see any change at all the few things that are are like the focus system, the focus points is going to change a little bit, not drastically, just how you get them back rather than having the rest, take a short break, but the first book is going to contain the Bard, Cleric, Druid, Fighter, Ranger, Rogue, Witch, and Wizard, and the core ancestries are going to be Human, Dwarf, Elf, Goblin, Halfling, Leshy, which is a plant-based creature, and the Orc, so you're going to see the addition of the Orc as a core player character. In this one,
1: I've been a bit of a proponent of that for a yeah. while. Yeah, so just
0: and you're still going to have the versatile ancestries of half-orc, half, orc, half because
1: you know people have have uh, you know vexed about the removal or extinguishment of orcs from gaming on like you know vague grounds by by people who honestly did not do their Tolkien-esque homework very well, uh, and I think embracing them as a character because of their immense popularity, which is kind of the inevitable. Like ever since the advent of World of Warcraft, uh, you know, this has been the thing that people have been moving towards. That you can't just be a half-orc. I want to be, an... be an orc. Well, right. So you can means, have an orc. It means something different than it did 40 years ago. So this is a player core book. And it's also going to have you uh,
0: with the virtual uh, changes. Now, the titling is, yes, going to go away, as is the Asmiar. They're both going to disappear. But replacing them is something I think that is close to our heart is they're going to be called the Nephilim.
1: Yeah. And unlike the erasure of, uh, assassins and demons and devils in the, uh, second edition of D and D many years ago, where, uh, you like It's Tanari and Batazu now. And like, sometimes thieves still backstab people, uh, uh, we'll we'll kind of slip the assassin in under the wire under the wire in a few years, uh, or you can use your old handbooks for that. But we're not going to mention that. No, uh, this is somewhat different. They've, I mean, first naming them the Nephilim, which you know implies uh, either you know angelic or infernal ancestry uh, and partial human ancestry, or any other. Yeah, there's a bold one. I mean, to me, right.
0: And so you could have got away with that like forty years ago. That would and the changeling from the uh, the Hag bloodline. That's a big thing that they're going to be fully leaning into. So they're going to incorporate a lot of the feats and uh, class features to all of these classes, including there from the Advanced Player's Guide that were not in the player uh, the core rulebook as it stands. That's going to be put in there. So everything will be put in there, and then. Of course the primer on the lost omens campaign setting um, and everything else so that's very little changes one class getting kind of a, a little bit of a redo touch-up and the other one's just getting a little nudges in there and incorporating all the beats as well as some new uh, race and class options so then there is the pathfinder core 2 which will be a uh, core 2 player core 2 which will be released later uh, next year and that will expand with additional classes. Yeah, that will and include a little heritages. bit more complex classes. Uh, if you want to spice that game alchemist, up. Alchemist, Barbarian, Champion, Investigator, Monk, Oracle, Sorcerer, and Swashbuckler. Uh, they will include the Catfolk, uh, herit- Ancestries, Gnoll, Hobgoblin, Kobold, Lizardfolk, Ratfolk, and Tengu, along with three new versatile Heritages, the Dampfear, the Duskwalker, and an all-new heritage de- debuting in this volume, and then they're going to turn into uh, archetypes and how to multi-class. Like you want a cavalier? Here you go. Here's how you do that. Uh, some new spells. Obviously, alchemical items are going to be there because the alchemist is here. So you say like, oh, hey, what about this new? Uh, these new? Some of these new features. Well, the good news is you don't have to buy any of these books if you currently have the core rulebook because and advanced players guide. If you already have that deep of investment, stay with it because all you have to do is go to Archives of Nethness it and it's free. For, for for free.
1: Do you like smooth
0: jazz? Yeah, well, too bad. You're not gonna get any because it's free. <laughs> I mean, <you laughs> Jeez,
1: that's, all right. Yeah. We can't use that word too much.
0: Huh. But it's free. Yeah, and I think that's a hard thing for people to grasp. And
1: so I'm just going to kind of speed run through the, re- the well, other there, two. There is a misperception that like free means terrible. Uh, and like, that's, that's a thing here. You know? Right. Um, so then they're
0: going to uh, come up with the GM core, which is basically going to be a, how to run a game of Pathfinder advice making you into a better game master, how to deal with problems and situations, uh, all the stuff in the game masters Guide, and some new errata as well, which if you already have these, you probably already know. Um, all the subsystems from the game mastery guide uh duels, research, infiltration and uh oh, uh chases are all going to be there. So the monster core is yes, you're going to you're going to kiss the odiug and the Owlbear goodbye, but they say that they're going to try to come up with things so like the screech bear or whatever. I don't know. What, what are they going to call it? They're going to try to do their best. <laughs> the hooty Hug. But if you already have these stat blocks, you can still use them. And like they said, the changes are very minor on the surface. Yes, some of the classes do get a little bit of a of an update or redo, like things that weren't working better. But that's quality of life stuff that I think for players will be appreciated more than it will for people looking at the overall system. Like,
1: well, It sounds like there's a lot changing. Well, there are, I, but... Honestly, I mean, if we can cover it in, like, even expansively, like... With us rambling around, uh, needing only a half hour to cover the most significant differences tells you that there is really not that much changing.
0: And the fact that they're also to incentivize some people in the uh, uh, regular store owners who are feeling a bit of fatigue right about this, I don't know, Matt, you know, I'm not selling all this big product and I just invest in your Pathfinder game. How are you going to, What you know, I got to reinvest in a new edition? Well, you know, the good thing is Fizo is offering an incentive to them. They're giving them uh, rare sketch covers by Wayne Reynolds, and if you recognize oh. him as an artist, he's going to be doing a series of sketch covers that are only going to be sold through local game stores. Ooh, bravo. So Always some people like say, that. like, oh, but then what's going to happen from a squid coming in there and just, you know, like buying all 10 copies on the shelf and then selling them for $200 on eBay and forcing everybody to chase the uh, variant covers. Yeah. Okay, the store owners still
1: benefited from the sale. Yeah, I mean it is about like supporting the vendors, okay. Uh, but uh, that doesn't make as much. I, I'm not a variant covers guy. So, yeah, me uh, either. I, I, I mean, I would that like to make have that it much of a big of a deal to me. I want to talk for a moment about what we believe to be the current price point that they are looking at uh, for these new books. And I'm told that it's quite. They're going to try to keep the players' core
0: down. To thirty dollars twenty nine ninety nine, and the uh, monster and GM core being a little bit more pricey around forty to fifty bucks.
1: Yeah, like the DM still has a commitment that is for all books, but at this point, you're still looking at around a maximum of two hundred bucks to walk in the door, at, which is about on par with today's prices. I, that is not what I would consider a wild excess for a DM to expect, because. Let's face it, when we were kids, uh, 60 bucks meant something. And buying three books, uh, three basic books in order to play, like if you were out nineteen ninety-nine on every single one, I, that was a pricey undertaking for a young person. Uh, well, obviously, there's been a bit of inflation over the years, so I, I don't feel well, like 160 to $200 is an... Unstot is an unapproachable, price. If, but the players cost to enter. Just the barrier bucks. is
0: much lower, right? Yeah, and that's what they're trying to smart. do. If you're also heavily invested right now, you're fine going forward. Yeah, but another keep, thing, you will, get
1: to keep uh, your old modules and everything else; they all yeah, function. Would, yeah, so great. you can count on this. They'll be making new modules that are new material. Not doing the thing that most like one of those number one things that all gamers hated was like, Oh my God, they're just re-releasing all the material from the previous edition all over again. Like I had 20 modules and now here's like the same 20 modules. That's not going to happen this time. I I don't think you're going to see any of that. You are going to see all new modules.
0: So now I have to break for a minute and just basically say in the time of remaining, may go over time on this one. Um, the two things that I wanted to cover at the last was uh, the changing of the dragons from metallic and chromatic to uh, magic based. And we'll talk about that after the next big topic, which is they're ditching alignment permanently. And now they're replacing it with Ananthema and Edicts. Edicts taking kind of the law chaos axis and oh, Ananthema uh, oppositional like demons and lawful or what we would see as traditionally demonic or infernal forces versus celestial or angelic
1: yeah uh, the the two terms mean what are what binds you you know what things are you like bound to do and that that's your edicts uh and then anathema what things are absolutely impossible for you to you know uh agree with you know where what can or, you what absolutely, is you what know. can you not do and that's That's where they're going with this.
0: Now, this is going to be an in-depth topic that obviously we can't cover here because of the information they have not
1: fully revealed. But
0: I'm very interested in seeing this going forward. So that does incentivize me to at least pick up the GM core to see how edicts and Anathema work. If I can't find it on uh, archives and Ethics, which I'm told that they are going to have a detailed breakdown of that. If I can get that for free, then, yeah, I'm not uh, reinvesting in it. But I'm going to say this. I am really excited about that for two reasons. First of all, it Paladins are, are champions, which come in three flavors now, Redeemer, uh, Liberator, and Paladin, are all going to have a unique feel to them. They already do, kind of separate from alignment. A Paladin is a bringer of justice. A Redeemer is someone who redeems somebody out of uh, sin and evil. And a Liberator is one who breaks the chains that bind you to physical and uh, physical bondage as well as spiritual bondage. That's what they do. Um, (laughs) We're going to free the shit out of you. You're going to get freed and you're going to like it, sir. (laughs) And uh, consent, please. Okay. May I please free you? Okay. Thank you. All right. Yeah. (laughs) they, They do respect boundaries. Now that said, Removing the alignment from that, they're already bidden by their edicts. They're forbidden from doing certain things. Redeemers just cannot kill people who surrender or where Paladin can administer
1: justice. (laughs) I'm
0: a cultist of an evil god. I beg for mercy at the last minute. It's too
1: late. (laughs) And perhaps the gods will have heard your prayer and your next location will not be uncomfortable. That's not very lawful good. Take it up with the gods. (laughs) It's not for me to decide where you go after this but it is for me to decide that you're going. <laughs>
0: so we remove the good and evil options out of things. And so now you get to see certain characters perform outside of the boundaries of alignment and expectations, which I think is a wonderful idea. And the way that they're approaching it is more than like, I oh, would just throw alignment out the window. We just don't pay attention to it. They replaced it with something. Yeah, That's an important factor here.
1: Uh, note that, like again axiomatic alignment is a classic D staple uh, dnd did it firstest and mostest uh, they showed up and created this and now that is a it could theoretically be a window for wizards to say like that is our core concept inside your game and if any part of our core concepts are are like inside your game then you know like we own a part of your game so yeah a lot of concepts like this got the axe and have been replaced with something that I think is pretty workable. But I'll have right. to see the real deal. Well, we'll hold that
0: thought and we'll be back for some extra innings. So stick around. Okay, so we're back and we're just talking about the uh, ditching of alignment and during the break I wanted to say this and I probably should have just left it here, but I like the fact that you're just not ignoring alignment and casting it to the side. Like, oh, we don't need that useless whole thing they're replacing, they're following the spirit. And that's the, what I think Mike brings up is the most important part.
1: Yeah, having a connection to the traditions of the game, uh, even if they have to take on a different incarnation uh, for you know partially legal reasons. And I, I'm not hostile to it, I, but I do want to see how it's practically implemented yeah. when the books are released.
0: They're saying like, those that will need it, like champions and clerics, will have access to holy, unholy... Uh, Damage values versus the current axioms are uh, the axiom of um, axial alignment. You know, good evil law chaos. That is going to be a big change, and I'm I'm pretty sure that they're trying to maintain on top, keep their arms around it at this point, and probably also listening keenly to discussions. Because one thing I've learned over this last year, or this early part of the year, it's almost half over. He's born in March or May, M word. uh one thing I've learned, they listen. They are all paisos out there, always listening.
1: Yeah, they do ha- seem to have their finger on the pulse, uh, which, good for them. It may not last forever, you know. Right, they may, you know. Size and there. scope of the company has a lot to do with how long they manage to, you know, stay on the right road. The uh, fact that
0: they made the York license so they don't have any content control of it is telling, handing it away, you know, helping get it founded working with uh, the initial signers
1: and then like a document, letting it go. Well, uh, I think there's a tacit acknowledgement inside that, that like even Paizo understands that like this could happen to us. Right. But, you know, we're only like one generation in, okay. That this is a company that it's only been around for like less than a couple of decades.
0: Yeah, or, but, not, you not know, a couple but
1: there's it's, companies like Ka- Chaosium and Steve Jackson Games that have done pretty good with what they oh, have. Oh, sure, but uh, for Paizo, I, I think that was a moment of self awareness. Like, yeah, you know, they, they're asking themselves deep down inside what happens like 20 years from now? You know, when all of those of us who are like at the helm of this right now, I mean, we feel this way, but in 20 years, who's going to be doing what we do? and when they're in charge how are they going to feel about it are they going to be committed to this the way we are i, I think what we need is something mm-hmm. that like externally keeps the company on the track that we would like it to be on in perpetuity rather than like just trusting that we train our successors well because that clearly did not work with wizards uh, mm-hmm. you know once they were acquired by hasbro i mean it's a very corporatized process for upper level employment so and it has not served them well. So good for Paizo. Like, they've, they've taken steps to, like, man, let's not have that happen to us. That looked that looked really painful. They've <laughs> taken a few dings here and there over the years. But, you know, like. The, yeah, they're not perfect, by yeah. any means. They've had I mean, their, they, their missteps. They've had and some their... moments of tone deafness. But they they fight it. And I respect that. So getting back to the uh, the
0: after part of the alignment. What happens about dragons? Now, we've seen chromatic and metallic dragons. Yeah. Been around. They've added gem dragons over the years, and they've honored and followed those. But this is another big change that I don't think gets enough press, is they're changing dragons to the four traditions of magic that exist in the Pathfinder game, which are arcane and divine, which pretty much cleric, magic user spells, along with occult and primal, which is druidic and the mysterious, the unspoken, or unknown. Know. And you know, what, unknown in a game pulled uh, a world filled with supernatural elements like spellcasting wizards and uh, uh, divine uh, miracle-casting clerics? Oh well, Yeah, but the category category, is the unknown. It doesn't fit in with other realms. It could be yeah. psychic magic. It could be other things. So the dragons are being aligned
1: on those axes. I find that really interesting. Uh, That is where they chose to go with it, because I almost certainly, like me, uh, creatively speaking, I would have defaulted to elemental. Correct, Uh, right. And, you know, that that concept... I think that still would be getting you the red,
0: uh, silver dragon access, you know, that would still be getting you the same kind of creature, just with a different name or perhaps a different skin tone.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the the dragons of the earth would be, like, deep down, uh, like, underground. uh, You know, dragons of be, like, the air would be up on the high peaks of mountains and, like, conforming more to the uh, uh, Asian mythos. Well, yeah, that would be the primal dragons. Uh, And the, you know, water, of course, like, actually in the ocean and then, of course, fire you should be wary because they're probably in a cave near a hill looking for a place to burn <laughs> you know looking from their spying point down at something what can i torch give me the loop so classic smog but that that's where i would have gone and i find it very interesting that they But it's they still went there with the magic primal lines But the
0: think. primal magic will uh definitely incorporate the elemental excellent so but they're going with a completely different one which i think is refreshing because As much as I like the classic dragons, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say like, oh, they're all terrible because they're all But it is refreshing to to see a new type of dragon emerge that doesn't clutter up the books. You know, it's like, okay, how do these new dragons fit in? with uh the metallic chromatic and uh, then gen gem dragons and then elemental dragons and then quasi element okay yeah you see where i'm
1: going yeah i started losing ground with the dnd's dragon pile uh, when it got down to gem dragons i was just like okay yeah you're wearing me out here
0: and they were nice because you would surprise players
1: with them, and that was what they were
0: there for and it's like ah this is a dragon you haven't seen before
1: i did like the mist dragon yeah. The Mist Dragon, yep. I had right. one in a in a waterfall, hot spring, you know, area that uh, uh, the players had to barter with to accomplish a goal.
0: Yeah, it did seem to get a bit crowded on the Dragon side, but hey, you know, that's just the game. Um, so, it may sound to a lot of people like this is an addition change, and no, it's a Rada Plus, and we may be conducting a lot of apologies or may culpas here, but ter- what we're trying to get across here is that there seems to be another crowd of that disinformation
1: uh, the we want to be angry wanted... and we want like uh all caps headlines, you know, we really right. want the clickbait. And they're like, I am primed for rage, I'm like, dude, that's that's not the way to come at this. You, we want to be critically examining these things before we diss them. Uh, and you like, honestly, I, I tried to hold out, uh, I've been as kind as I can to fifth edition and WOTC, uh, but. You know, when I when I've lost the ability to say nice things, it's it doesn't happen right away. I'm not first on the I'm not first on the draw for that because I'm busy taking that time to examine carefully what I'm actually dealing with. Uh, we could be wrong, but tentatively, based on what we have been able to to see and read, it's looking good. It's, it's looking, looking like good. And it looked cool. like
0: they're really trying to listen to their third publishing partners, like Battle
1: Battlezoo. And I honestly, and... I you know, like you, you can people who are enraged that they're doing a like two point five this early after creating their second edition. Uh, you remember three Like talk to WOTC. I, you know, like, direct your rage at the people responsible. For I thought it, it was a great. Because if it was not a, if it was not a legal liability, I honestly don't think you know, Paizo would be doing any of this. Like, nah, you know, we can can leave it. Yeah, they would just
0: include the errata in new printings like they've always been doing.
1: But as long as they already have to purge themselves of any legally actionable connection uh, to WOTC, they've done a pretty good job of creating alterations that are not going to radically impact the structure of gameplay or the calculations of like uh resolutions of events in-game. You know, like you're you're not going to need like oh, I need whole different kinds of dice and I gotta relearn all the rule books. No. Yeah, well, there's very little rules to go over here. There's you can still use your all old your old, If you can still use all your old dungeons, everything is fine. <laughs>
0: Exactly. You, know, you will be able to use all your old material. If you like Chromatic Dragons then and Metallic Dragons, fine, and and use them. I'm looking forward to some new dragons that are specific to the world of Glorion, and I'm willing to say, like, hey, maybe I'll pay for the privilege of it. But it's the second part. If I want to use them, they're free on Archives of Nessus, so I can just use them as I wish. Now... Procedural changes aside, what is the big thing that's coming out of this is that they are listening and trying to make the best decisions they can going forward. Will it work perfectly? No, as we just said. Almost never does. But I think that this is something they had to do. And if they're going to do it, might as well just throw in and uh, change some things that will make the game run easier and be better for everybody else. So, yeah, go large or go home. So I think that's where we're at with the Pathfinder 2nd Edition update. The remaster sounds like it's going to be, for the most part, a good idea. And definitely for people joining in, it's going to lower the barrier for getting
1: involved. I have high hopes. And per usual, I, I am reserved until I see the actual thing in my hands and, and get a chance to read and you know measure it myself. But, but yeah. I've got a, I've got an optimistic viewpoint at this stage
0: yeah and the nice thing is is that they're designing this so uh, the beginners box set will have very little it won't change anything in
1: the beginners box
0: set they're not gonna have to do uh, anything maybe in a couple of uh, when they reprint it change a few very minor things because everything is built for the basic beginner set which is an excellent introduction to the pathfinder system so All right, well, we walked up and down. We went into some extra innings. We appreciate everybody sticking around. We talked about the uh, biggest changes of splitting the books of the core rule book into four parts, along with the advanced uh, player's guide and and game mastery guide. So with that, I think that uh, we've worn out our time here, and we
2: definitely have
0: extra innings.
2: But
0: we appreciate you all listening in. And as always uh, that Facebook group, it's always looking for head pats and handshakes and likes. So that's what we feed off of. So please feed us and uh, just uh, go to that Facebook group and uh, give us a little like there. And also leave some comments because that's a good way to keep in touch with us. Let us know how we're doing and uh, what you think about what we're doing. But uh, I guess that'll do it for us. Until next time, may the, the dice, dice. Always, always roll in your, your, favor. your
1: favor. We're out. See ya. Thank you.